and welcome to LX2 Codependency Coaching. I am Stella. Uh, we are recording live on Instagram at Luna underscore X2 underscore LLC. And uh, you can find us there. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. I am so grateful that um, that we've got listeners. I was just talking to um, my publishing consultant. Um, I signed the contract for the book and, uh, and made my down payment. For those of you who don't know, I am self-publishing and so I am paying for it myself to be published. Uh, it's kind of an exciting process, uh, to, to say that I wrote a book and then I'm going to publish the book and then I'm going to sell the book. And it's kind of crazy. Um, I've got one more editing date, uh, and then I'm submitting it to another really talented, um, editor and she's going to take a look at it and then I send it off to Pennsylvania which is exciting um so on earlier on the video I was talking about uh how this has this a year ago today probably right around now I was having a series of garage sales and uh donating most of my stuff if not selling it um or giving it away and uh so there's parts of me that are kind of all over the city, um, parts of the life that I had built and all the things. Uh, it's interesting to be in this position where, um, you know, a year has gone by and uh, I closed down my practice. I had my last client probably on about June 15th um, last year and and then I closed down my practice. I had my practice for 10 years. Um, right after graduate school, um, I started a business and, um, I started seeing clients privately as well as working for an agency. Um, and so to, to come in this like full circle kind of way to recognize that, um, that I did a whole thing. Um, I had lunch with a colleague today and, uh, I was kind of explaining the trip and it's funny because every time I tell the story about the trip, uh, especially for my friends who have been like supporting me and following me through this whole process, <laughs> They're like, how was the trip? Um, and, you know, I like to say that the trip was amazing and there were definitely amazing parts of that. Um, but one of the things that I recognize to be true is, and for those of you who like have followed and listened this whole time, um, you know that, that there was a lot of emotional processing that was going on while I was traveling. And uh, though there were moments of vacation or adventure or whatever, um, more often than not, there was a lot of emotional processing. Um, and so I think when I talked last time about emotional availability and vulnerability, um, when I was by myself, it was so easy to get to those really raw, vulnerable spaces for myself. Um, because there was nobody judging me. <laughs> there was nobody looking at it. There was nobody, you know, I definitely had support and, and I have um, two really great accountability buddies that I spoke with like almost every day through my trip. Uh, but that was it. Like the rest of, of my people would check in here and there, which I'm super grateful for. Um, and then I had this, right? So I was talking to uh, my followers on Instagram or people who are watching and I was doing the podcast. Um, and so it was really interesting to think about that level of emotional vulnerability and, um, and emotional availability. So coming back here um, has been a process to maintain that version of myself. Um, I think one time, I think while I was in Ireland, I had talked about like having needs without being needy. And so 
that's what I kind of wanted to talk about today is not just needs, but how codependency affects how we have needs or even recognize that we have needs. And a lot of times, um, most of us are living in, um, in a state of deprivation. So what, what brought this to mind, certainly when I was uh, thinking about the podcast topic this week, um, was the idea that I, I gave up carbs. Um, I started doing keto about six years ago and, uh, you know, low carb or no carb, uh, diet or diet. It's a lifestyle at this point. Um, so I'd given up bread, right. And, uh, bread is awesome. And I love bread. And, uh, I had, <laughs> I talk often about the fact that I had like sexy dreams about Texas toast. Um, it was a very, uh, very erotic dream about very thick bread. Anyway, um, the reason I'm sharing that is, uh, as someone with an eating disorder, it has taken me a long time to really regulate what is, um, healthy eating and really paying attention to my body when I'm hungry and eating when I'm hungry rather than any other time. Uh, portion control has never been an issue. I've never been much of a binge eater. Um, I did have an eating disorder when I was a teenager, probably from 14 till 17-ish. Um, and then I had disordered eating after that. And so my relationship with food has always been interesting. Um, and then going like keto light is what I used to call it. Um, it's restrictive eating, but it isn't, right? So you're eating what you what you know works for your body. I think in an old, old version of X to the Zenial, we had talked about like keto and body image and all those things. And so that idea of deprivation is to deprive yourself of having certain things. Uh, and certainly in my case, it's carbs. Um, and that being said, like I definitely eat a lot of protein. I, you know, eat a lot of fat and I eat a lot of vegetables and fruits. Um, but recognizing that I have trained myself to live in a, in a state of deprivation. So it doesn't feel as uncomfortable as it did when it first, when I first started doing it. Um, and so I talk a lot about this abundance versus, um, scarcity mindset, right? Uh, one of the things that happens though, is if I live in this state of abundance, I am grateful for all the things that I have um, that are, you know, within my control to be able to, to appreciate. One of the things that it does, though, is it tricks my brain into thinking that I have all the things that I need, which is not actually true. So as it relates to codependency, really recognizing that um, when we live in a state of deprivation, we get used to not having certain things. And certainly as it relates to getting our needs met, when those needs aren't getting met in, you know, relationship dynamics or, or when, when we were growing up, like our emotional needs, we live in a state of deprivation. You become accustomed to not having certain things. And um, I talk a lot, especially when I do the workshops and when I am teaching people about codependency, is a lot of times people will figure out how to meet their own needs. And nine times out of 10, we can meet a lot of them, but we can't meet all of them, especially when our goal is to connect with other people. When our goal is to receive that, you know, validation and acceptance and love from another person, which is why we are depriving ourselves of all these things. And so to get back to like that scarcity versus abundance kind of mindset, 
I can be grateful for everything that I have and really start to, you know, go down the list of all, all my needs that are met uh, generally by myself. And so the ones that aren't being met, I just kind of put over here. I'm just like, why am I going to pay attention to those? Um, and so when I was by myself and traveling, I recognized that um, I had all of my needs met. You know, my basic needs of uh, food, shelter, clothing, um, security, safety, um, all of those things. When I was having lunch, I had lunch with a colleague today, um, and she asked me what it was like to be self-actualized. And so for those of you who are unaware of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, um, the base, like the biggest one on the bottom is food, shelter, clothing, like your, your basic needs, right? Um, and so when I came back, I did not have all of my basic needs. Like I had a place to stay um, and I had my clothes. <laughs> um, I had to figure out like food. So the food, shelter, clothing thing is now a little bit better, um, but then it goes up from there and your psychological needs. Um, and so the top is self-actualization. It's this like pinnacle of awareness and like Zen and all the things. Um, very rarely does anybody live in self-actualization. They visit it, but they don't live there. It's difficult to do as a human being because nine times out of 10, you know, we're fucking with other people. And so that kind of throws us off kilter. And, you know, as we've talked about on multiple podcasts, really recognizing that change happens. And a lot of times it's not even up to us, the change that happens. So what it brought to my mind was one, living in a state of deprivation, recognizing that even though my love, my life is abundant in all of these ways, um, I still am in a place of need for some other things. Um, and so it's, it's curious to me to start to think about um, how to manage that idea of the, the duplicity or the multiplicity of several different mindsets. Um, and what I know to be true is certainly with clients who are struggling with their codependency, struggling with maintaining relationships, communication, uh, boundaries, and all of those things, is oftentimes one of the kind of holdbacks or uh, throwbacks to our old codependent, you know, coping skills is to either disregard or completely um, not address our needs, living in that state of deprivation, living in that state of, I'm just not going to get that, right? And I think I've talked before uh, about like the the limiting beliefs or the, the truths we, we think are facts, but aren't, aren't really facts. They're based on information that we have and how we see ourselves and how we see our life. Um, but when you grow up thinking that your needs aren't important, um, you start to, to create that limiting belief that they'll never be important or they're not necessarily um, as important as other people's needs, right? Especially as parents or people in relationship, a lot of times we will forego getting our needs met because we want to make sure that the people around us have their needs met. And, um, you know, it's a lot of like this self-sacrificing or um, disregarding of whatever your primary needs are. And so I'm not talking about like food, shelter, clothing. I mean, obviously those are definitely needs. Um, and a lot of times we're really good at doing that. But when we live in that deprivation mindset, what we are doing is we are creating the facade that 
we are self-sufficient and we can get all of our needs met and we continue to take care of other people. Um, it creates this, this loop in our brains that we can just live without certain things. Can I live without a Lamborghini? Absolutely. I have no desire to have a Lamborghini. Um, I do need a vehicle, but you know, I, I am not at a place where having a really expensive or really fast vehicle is the most important thing for me. For me, like function is way more important than, you know, what it looks like or how much it costs or whatever. Um, now having gotten rid of all my things, like selling all my stuff, I think I've mentioned before, I had a very well-appointed kitchen, um, lots of, of tools and gadgets and toys. Um, and now I'm just, I'm fine with like maybe five or seven things. Having lived traveling and traveling with originally two bags and then only one, um, I recognize that there were a lot of things I didn't need. Um, as long as, you know, I had clean clothes and uh, a toothbrush, um, I didn't need a whole lot of stuff. And so my needs have definitely changed through this process. Um, but getting back here and, you know, kind of setting up a home and figuring out uh, relationship dynamics and all those things, um, it has come to my attention that I have been living in deprivation of certain things. Um, and I think a lot of times with clients um, and, and with people in my life, right, in general, because I talk about codependency all the time, I recognize that there are certain things that we live without, assuming that we, we just aren't going to get that. Um, I have a, a really good friend who, you know, spiritually, we talk about just knowing in our, in our manifestation practices, in our, you know, living in abundance and gratitude and all of those things. Like she lives in a state of knowing about 90% of her life, which I love for her. I do not live there. <laughs> um, and, and there are some things that I just do that I just know that, that are true. Um, and so for example, money and, and making an income, right? I was looking at my, um, my bank statements because I have to pay my gross receipts taxes and all the things. And I went from, you know, living abroad on my savings to now generating an income. Um, and one of the things that I know to be true is I'm, I'm really good at making money. Um, and I just know that, right? It's a knowing for me. But I lived in a state of deprivation where I wasn't generating income for seven months. And, um, and it, it was a little uncomfortable to come back and feel like, well, now I don't have money. Um, obviously we need money. Like it's how the world works. Uh, but it wasn't a thing, like a thought I had, I never, I never worried about it. Like for me, that, that feels easy. Um, and for some people, there are a lot of parts in their life that they don't struggle with. They just, they do a thing, you know, whatever it is. Um, but to go back to this idea of deprivation, like we can live without a lot of things. Um, and so when it comes to emotional needs, and recognizing that, you know, our, our orientation as human beings on the planet is to connect with other people. Um, a lot of times people will do these extra things, right, to get that validation, acceptance, and love. And so if that's, you know, taking really good care of other people or uh, intuiting what their needs are or going without, um, then you start to create this space of deprivation. Um, and so even though my orientation is abundance, recognizing that, 
you know, my basic needs are met. I have people in my life who love me. Um, I have uh, skills and abilities to be able to generate money. Um, all of those things are true. And I still have these other needs. So, for example, um, when I would get to a new place when I was traveling, like the first thing I would do is orient myself to where the grocery store was um, and then where public transit was because I, I didn't have a car most of the time. And so, you know, I would go to the store because I was living in Airbnbs. I would get toilet paper. I would get lemons. I would get heavy cream. I would get coffee. Um, and then whatever protein food I was eating, usually uh, chicken um, and beef and then vegetables. So in Europe, refrigerators are tiny. And so we don't stock up like we do here. There is no Costco. <laughs> and I wasn't like kind of Costco person anyway, because I was living by myself for a long time. But so that's how I would get those needs met, right? Um, and then figuring out public transit so that I could find my way around to then take myself on adventures. And certainly in, in other versions of, or other episodes of the podcast, I would talk about like orienting myself to the new city or um, you know, taking myself out to the coast or going for walks on a regular basis. But, and one of the things that I recognized is that I was not connecting with other humans. I had my humans at home and, you know, occasionally I would run into people when I was in Greece, I didn't speak the language. So connecting with other humans, uh, was a little bit more challenging. Um, when I got to Ireland, fortunately I lived close to, um, the Airbnb host and his family, uh, and they were lovely and they would take me to the store and do all the things. Um, but connecting with humans was not on my priority list of needs. Um, and at certain points that changed, but um, I do recognize that certainly now when I'm back and I'm here, like it's, it's a conscious effort for me to connect with other people. And so not living in the deprivation of connection, um, I have to make more of a conscious choice to then set time aside to connect with my people. Um, and so that's, you know, sending text messages, making phone calls, making plans, like doing those kinds of things. Um, when we start to recognize what our needs are, when we start to pull back our energy and manage our capacity, that is our opportunity to recognize what we need in the day-to-day -day interactions that bring us peace that bring us comfort, that bring us joy, um, that even just kind of help us to get to that next level of being able to then address our psychological needs. So if I'm feeling lonely or if I'm feeling sad, whatever it is, I know that I've talked before um, on TikTok and certainly on here, uh, is that after podcast day, I'm like really drained, super exhausted. Usually want a carby snack and a movie. That is how I function. Um, Sometimes that that means that I would like to spend some time with other people or I want, you know, to get drinks on a patio or I want to go for a bike ride or whatever, then that will also be an opportunity for me to, to check in with my friends. Um, usually I'm not super social at the end of a podcast day or at the end of a day that's had a lot of clients because it's, it's a draining practice. So really recognizing like what are my needs day to day to day um, and, and really orienting myself to that practice rather than, you know, what do other people need for me to be in their life? What do other people need from me? Um, I do recognize that I struggle with, and I've talked about it before, asking for my needs. 
um, because I am a self-sufficient human, because I've been a self-sufficient human for a long time. And what I know to be true about like clients and, and people that I talk about codependency with is nine times out of 10, they are very, very self-sufficient. They are going to be able to meet most of their needs. And what I also know is that they struggle with be, having needs, right? Or even just identifying their own needs. Because for so long, they have put their own needs on the back burner. They have put their own, um, even their, their own awareness of having needs on the back burner. So it feels very strange or uncomfortable to ask for your needs. Um, <laughs> I will own 100% and admit that being in this place right now where, yes, I have, you know, food, shelter, clothing, I'm still orienting to and grounding to creating the life that, not the life that I had, because that version of me isn't, isn't here and present, but this life that I am starting to create and I'm creating it from zero. And so that has created new needs or different needs that I didn't have before. Needs for safety and security, needs for, um, even a vehicle, uh, needs for connection and relationship. And, and that's been really challenging because a lot of the relationships that I had here before don't exist for a lot of reasons, not least of which is like, I went away for seven months and, um, you know, didn't maintain contact with them. Uh, while I was working on myself, I didn't really, that wasn't the first thing in my mind to be able to check in with these people. Um, when they reached out to me, I would definitely, you know, reciprocate and all of those things, but that it didn't happen. And I understand that life goes on all the things. Um, now that I'm back, different thing, right? Um, I think for most people who are, you know, working in an isolated situation and certainly like since COVID, since we were all kind of sheltering in place and, and quarantined a lot of times, um, the relationships that we had were not maintained in the same way. And, um, I know that for a lot of people, especially doing like telehealth and those things, uh, a lot of people were touch deprived, right? They hadn't really been around another person in so long unless they were um, quarantining with, you know, their partner or their children or their family or whatever. Um, but there were a lot of people who were quarantining by themselves and they were living in a state of deprivation from affection or, you know, just interaction with other people. So we came out weird after after the quarantine. We came out very um, sensitive to the things that we didn't have. Um, I know Kat and I were maintaining the podcast, um, and you know we were spending time together in in appropriate amount of space and all the things. Um, but it was it was a very interesting thing to be aware of that our needs changed. And so we had talked about at one point, like, what is one of the first services that we were going to, you know, get or do once the quarantine was lifted. Um, and for me, it was getting my nails done. Um, what I recognized once I started doing that is that a lot of times, like, that was the only uh, physical interaction I was having with another person. <laughs> um, and that's, I mean, it's not just me, that was true for a lot of people. And, and for some people, even now, that's still true is, um, you know, some people don't like to be, to be touched or aren't affectionate. Totally makes sense. Um, but living in the state of deprivation, then you have to ask for it, or you have to interact in such a way to be able to get that need met. 
Um, and so really thinking about like how codependency and relationships um, requires that we communicate about what those needs are specific to affection, um, specific to, you know, I need a ride or can you help me with blah, blah, blah thing, like whatever it is. Um, I think even people in relationships start to live in a place of deprivation because they don't want to be perceived as needy, therefore weak. Um, a lot of times my clients who, you know, were struggling with codependency issues uh, would talk about how they were always there for their friends, but if they had a need, they wouldn't ask for it. And so thinking about how we can live in a state of deprivation or not asking for our needs because it's uncomfortable because we are there for other people. Um, but we don't like people to be there for us. And that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it doesn't really match with that idea of connection and understanding and compassion when we deprive ourselves of the things that we need to make sure that other people have their needs met. Um, and so when I work with uh, clients and certainly as I am teaching codependency skills, I talk about um, orienting yourself to even asking for small things. Um, it is definitely a practice for me because I don't do it well and I can live without a lot of things. Um, I know that it's not healthy. Um, and as I continue to like, I mean, as, as I am talking about these things with, you know, with my podcast listeners, um, all, you know, my friends, my people, <clears throat> I'm still working on these skills so that I can model for people how to do it. It is not easy. Um, it is definitely challenging when I come up against like, okay, now I have this whole other set of skills and I have to be able to practice what I say by doing these things that I teach, right? Um, and so it is one of those things that I continue to work on to address what my needs are and how do I ask for them um, and what am I depriving myself of and why, right? What is, what is motivating that deprivation? Is it because it's challenging to ask for those needs? Sometimes. Is it because I don't feel worthy or deserving of those things? Sometimes. And sometimes it's just I've gotten so used to not having it that it feels indulgent or excessive to have certain things. Water. So I'm what I challenge you to do is start to pay attention to the things that you live without that maybe you want in your life um, or the things that you can continue to live without. <laughs> I mean, that's one of the other things that I, I think about often. There are certain things that I you know, don't have to go back to doing or having, um, because I live just fine without them. Um, but being someone who can live in deprivation and has reduced my needs list significantly, um, I start to pay attention to with the abundance mindset that I can trick myself into thinking I have all of my needs met, which is not true. I can be grateful for all the things that I have. And I do live in abundance for so many things. Um, it's a different thing to recognize when we live in deprivation, when we are depriving ourselves of things that could bring us peace or things that could bring us joy or things that could make our life easier, um, 
and and richer, not just in a stuff way, but in a connective way, in a relationship way, in ways that we have the opportunity to connect with people in a on a deeper level. <clears throat> rather than just having kind of surface interactions with people because it's functional. Um, and so that for me has also been an awareness of is if this is a functional relationship, that's awesome. You know, we have a um, equitable exchange or a transactional relationship. If I do this thing and you do this thing, awesome. Then we meet in the middle rather than, you know, a deep connective relationship. And I think a lot of times we don't even recognize that the relationships that we have are transactional and not more emotional or connective. Um, obviously, you know, you go to Starbucks, you order your coffee, you pay for it, um, you get your coffee. If they're nice to you, that's awesome, but that's not their job. Like it's, you know, it's helpful. Um, and, and like I've certainly talked about before, like kindness is a goal um, and that's an opportunity for connection. But in order to show up that way, we have to really recognize, like, what am I, how am I holding myself back, either emotionally or from a vulnerability place, to minimize or limit the connectivity? And am I depriving myself of something more significant, you know, because I don't feel worthy or deserving of those things, or I'm not even emotionally available to myself to be able to do that? Um, so that's my time. I do have a workshop tomorrow, uh, the 17th here in Albuquerque. We'll probably be doing another one in July. We're starting to write the next one on, uh, relationships and intentional dating. Um, I did put down payment on, um, publishing the book, which is exciting. I will be submitting it to them hopefully on the 26th so that they can start the production. Um, once that's available, I will definitely let you know. If you want to hear something specific on the podcast, you can reach me at lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. You can reach me here at Luna, under, Luna underscore x2 underscore LLC. Thank you so much to everyone who's listening on the podcast all over the country. Uh, North Carolina, you got, you know, taken up by Rhode Island. I'm not sure how that happened, but it did. Um, people are asking where I'm going to be traveling next. And so what I'd like to do is to collect some cities from the places where the podcast is being listened to regularly. Um, and if you want me to come to your city and do a codependency workshop and probably record a podcast and do a book signing, let me know. lx2.cod.coach at gmail.com. I'm going to end the video and then I'm going to end the podcast. Thank you so much for listening and watching. Take care. All right, we are ending, we have ended the video on uh, Instagram and uh, we're gonna end the podcast here. Thank you so much for listening all over the country, all over the world. I do appreciate it. Um, if you wanna get a hold of me, you know how to do that. Uh, you can DM me on all the social medias and I will talk to you soon. Take care.